Good morning, everybody, again. Welcome to you. Glad to have you at Woodburn Baptist Church. Starting a new sermon series this morning entitled Stories Jesus Told. We're going to take a look at the parables of Jesus, not all of them, uh, but a good number of them between now and Easter, and really try to focus on the words that Jesus said, the way that he said, the things he said, and most importantly, our responsibility to listen to what he says. When it comes to the spiritual life, when it comes to the Christian life, honestly, your ability to hear Jesus' voice and obey him is the most important thing, that that is the nerve of your Christian life. And if that nerve is cut, if you don't know how to listen, or if you do not listen and obey, then you cannot possibly be a follower of Jesus, understand? And so that's why I want us to come back to Jesus' teaching, Jesus' preaching, learn to listen to his voice and learn to respond to it, to all that he says. Back in the day, I was youth minister here at Woodburn. Uh, this is a thousand years ago, of course. And uh, we had a kid in the youth group. His name was Keith Smith. I've told you about Keith before. Keith was a really neat kid, fantastic, awesome kid. One of the things that made Keith awesome was that he had a glass eye. Now, this is back in the old days. This isn't like a fancy bionic eye. This is just a glass eyeball in his head, and uh, it it was there. It it occupied the spot. The thing about Keith's glass eye is it it didn't blink or close. It was just always staring at you, his his, his glass eye. And so the thing is, uh, I'd be teaching or sometimes preaching, whatever. Uh, Keith would fall asleep sometimes. He would fall asleep, but his eye didn't close. So the, you all would love this, wouldn't you? So I would be preaching and teaching, whatever, just looking right at Keith, and he's just, you know, lo- looking right at me. It, sometimes I had no idea that he wasn't really hearing me at all. I was talking, he was looking at me, you know, lights are on, but nobody's home. I understand he's completely asleep, that eyeball just staring at me. I'll be really honest with you, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I often feel like I'm preaching to a congregation full of Keith Smiths. Uh, eyeballs looking at me, but, but I'm never, ever exactly sure that the message being heard. Understand, preaching is not about getting something said. If I want to get something said, all I have to do is flap my gums. All I have to do is talk. Getting something said is easy. Getting something heard is really, really difficult. Very, very difficult. And of course, Jesus knew that. As the living word made flesh, come down to earth. Jesus, more than any person on earth, needed to get a message heard. And so it's very interesting to go back and look at his strategy for preaching and teaching because Jesus did something actually really rather amazing. The scripture says this, and this is um, Mark chapter 4. It says, Jesus used many similar parables to teach people as they were able to hear. Notice that phrase, as they were able to hear. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. Now, that's amazing. But Jesus never opened his mouth without a parable, the scripture says. And afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. Interesting. This is Jesus' preaching, teaching strategy. Now, I hear people say these days, the only real preaching is expository preaching, verse by verse through the Bible. And I love good expository preaching, and I think that's a strong way to preach. But the problem is saying the only way to preach is verse by verse is that's really not how Jesus preached or Paul, or as a matter of fact, you don't find a single expository sermon in all of Scripture. It's just not the model that Scripture itself gives us. If you want to follow the master preacher, that would be Jesus. And Jesus' strategy is very, very different. He never opens his mouth without a parable, and it has something to do with our ability to hear. 
So let's jump in. The first parable we'll look at in this series is a parable about parables, and it's found in Mark chapter 4, and we'll start right there. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. This is the big parable. Most of the gospels, when they begin Jesus' teaching, they start with this parable because like I say, if you understand what Jesus says here, you'll begin to understand about everything else he says. This is key, and it's this parable about parables. Mark chapter four, verse one. Listen. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Okay, stop right there. There's a large crowd, so he got into a boat. Why? Why did he get into a boat? Because the crowd was so large. Yeah, it's got something to do with acoustics, actually, getting a message heard. Understand, the crowd is is large. They're gathering on the shore. So Jesus steps into a boat so he can push back a little bit off the shore. So Jesus is now uh, a distance away from the crowd, speaking across the water. You ever talk to somebody, like at the swimming pool, and and when when you're across the pool, you can hear their voice really well? Because the water manages to reflect that sound extremely effectively. So Jesus is stepping into the The boat is a wise speaker's move. It allows him to get a little bit of distance so that everybody can see him, and the water will amplify his voice. It was very common in the ancient world. So he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore, and he taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Verse 3, first word, listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, (laughs) when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parable meant. He replied, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scripture might be fulfilled when it says, when they see what I do, they'll learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand unless they will turn to me and be forgiven. And Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. 
And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Hmm. When when Jesus preached, it was different. It, It was different. People listened. They listened. You actually couldn't help but listen. It has something to do with his speaking strategy. He always spoke with, say the word, a parable. He always spoke by using parables. Now, again, Jesus is God in the flesh. He has all wisdom in all the universe. He could have spoken in any way that he, that he would choose, but he chose parables. So there must be a very important key in the fact that he chooses to, to speak in this way. The, the Greek word for parable is parabole. Go ahead and say it, parabole. Yeah, it's, it's two parts. This first part, para, is where we get words like parallel. Uh, what's para mean? Anybody know? Your English teachers would be so proud if you knew. Para means like beside or alongside, like parallel lines or two lines that are beside each other. So para means alongside, right beside. Bole is a verb in the Greek, and it literally means to throw like a ball. So, so the word parable, parabole, literally means to throw alongside, to throw alongside. So this is what Jesus would do. Jesus would take this truth that he needed to communicate, and he would put it in the form of a story. And then he would cast that story down alongside your life. And so here's how it would work. You come in, and for the most part, most of us, we have ears that don't hear. I can't really explain that, only to say I know that it's true. We have ears, but most of us don't hear. I really don't understand why, except that sometimes I know that I just don't listen. I, I know that somebody's speaking, but for whatever reason, I, I just don't listen. I, I don't turn my ears on. I'm resistant sometimes to learning new things, whatever. Sometimes, even though I have ears, I just do not listen. And, and it's happening right now with some of you. You're just not listening to me. And I don't take it personally. You don't listen to anybody anywhere. You have ears, but you just don't hear. Now, sometimes we don't listen in church because we feel like we've already heard it before. You have heard this parable before. By this time, you have heard me preach nine trillion times. You've already heard me tell you about Keith Smith at some point with the glass eyeball. I mean, you've heard it all before. And because you think you've heard it before, you just don't listen. You've just already, the minute my lips start moving, you just go to the end of the service and wait for me to get there. I mean, you just sort of don't listen because you assume that you've heard it all before. It is a very dangerous assumption because for the most part, all those people on Sunday who show up saying that they've heard it all before, they haven't heard it the first time. It's a dangerous assumption to think that you've actually heard it all before. Sometimes we just hear what we expect to hear, and that's always amazing and startling somehow when I get out in the hallway after church and you start telling me back what you think you heard me say. It's interesting because sometimes the sermon you hear isn't at all the sermon I preach. I praise the Lord for that because I think the Holy Spirit is able sometimes to take the jumbled words I use and apply it to your heart in a way that you need to hear the message. And I thank God for the way he uses his word. But then sometimes you just hear what you want to hear. My sister Tracy is what I would call the queen of misheard lyrics. 
Now, she loves to listen to the radio, and, and she taught me to love that. We used to sit and listen to the radio, and she loves to sing with the radio, and, and, and it's really, she's a lot of fun. Everybody loves my sister, but you really need to listen to the radio with her because she loves music, she loves songs, and she loves to sing. The problem is she never hears the lyrics right, but she just sings out the wrong ones, and it's a hoot. It is just so funny. Once when Shelby was little, Reliant K, it's a Christian group, Reliant K had a song called Be My Escape. I'm begging you, I'm begging you to be my escape, you know, be my escape. Well, they were driving down the road and Tracy decided, my sister Tracy decided to have a teachable moment with her daughter Shelby. Shelby's just a little girl. And so Tracy said, Shelby, do you know what it means to be my skin? Shelby said, what? Said, be my skin. Do you know what that means to be my skin? Shelby said, Mama, that's not what that says. It's, it's again, five-year-old girl, it's be my escape. Be my escape. Now, the funny, I would just love to have heard Tracy's whole explanation for what it means to be my skin. I would love to know myself. What does it mean to, to be my skin? Yeah. There was a song lately, uh, don't you worry, don't you worry, child. See, heaven's got a plan for you. Heaven's got a plan for you is what the song says. This is a radio song. But my sister was singing, don't you worry, don't you worry, child. Seattle's got a plan for you. <laughs> Seattle? <laughs> Seattle? I mean, why Seattle? I mean, it's, it's heaven, Seattle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The most recent, y'all know that song, uh, Ariana Grande, I got, I got one less problem without you. I got one less, one less problem without you. My sister was singing, one less prom. <laughs> one less prom without you. But you got to say, she sings it with, with all of her soul. I got one less prom without you. I got one less prom. Yeah. You see, she has ears. And she hears stuff that nobody else hears. I, I don't understand. I just know that when it comes to getting a message heard, it's very, very difficult somehow to get people with ears to hear. Jesus would take a, a story. He would take a parable. And he would, he would use a story that, that would be familiar. There's always ordinary things. Just, you know, farmers and seeds and women making bread and fathers and sons and fish. And all of the things that were just the stuff of people's lives. And he would tell the most ordinary story and he would sort of throw it down beside your life. Now, now if you think somebody's preaching to you, if you think there's a message for you, if you're like most of us, you tend to put up your defenses. If you think somebody's trying to tell you something, all of a sudden you sort of begin to put up the wall. But, but parables work differently. Because a parable is like a story. So Jesus would start out with something like there was a farmer who went out to scatter seed. And understand, you just sort of start listening. You, you, you forget not to listen. You don't even think to put up your shield. You don't think to turn that off. The story draws you in. There was a man who had two sons, and the first of those sons said, Daddy, I, I want everything that's coming to me after you die. So the father, he divided up his estate. And you understand, you just get 
pulled into that. Jesus would say something like there was a rich man who lived down in Heartland. And every day as he would make the long drive back to his mansion, he would see this old poor man back digging through the dumpster behind Steak and Shake. It, it was that sort of thing. And people just sort of lean in. You just, you, you lean in to listen. The story has a way of, of drawing you in. And you don't even think that, that this is something that, that's eventually going to teach you something or a message that's going to be for you. You don't even enter the story in that way. You just begin to listen. But, but then something happens. Something happens when you step into the story. You ever seen the old practical joke where somebody will take like a bucket of water and lean it over the door and then they call you. So when you come in, you walk, walk through the door and the bucket falls on you, the water falls on you. Well, see, that's exactly how Jesus' parables would work. Because the story calls your name. The story draws you in. And when you step into the story, at some point the truth falls on you. Understand? And you didn't see it coming. If you had seen it coming, you would have put up your shield. If you'd seen that coming, you would have turned it off. Because you don't really want to know the truth, especially when the truth turns out to be something about yourself. But this is why Jesus' stories work so well. Because you step into the story and the truth falls on you. And even if you think, well, I know this story. I know what happens when a farmer plants seeds. You don't know this story. This is not going to be the story that you think it is. Because you are not the person that you think you are. And that's why the story has this incredible way of clobbering you with the truth. It just undoes you. Before you know it, you suddenly realize he's talking about me. This story is about me. I'm in this story. But, but before you can possibly turn that up, before you can get out, a door closes behind you and you're trapped. It's an amazing way to preach. Jesus managed to get a message heard. And people heard. Now, some people got it. Maybe some people didn't get it. But for the people who got it, there was one of two responses. Either you left everything and started following this man or else, according to most of the stories, they tried to throw him off a cliff or picked up stones. But one way or the other, they weren't going to get out from under the truth that had been delivered through the parable. Do you understand? So apparently, one of the first stories he ever told, one of the first parables, was a, a parable about parables. And, and it's really fascinating. It, it's simple. If you really want to know the point of what he's saying, understand the first word in, in, in verse 3 is... It's a Greek word that means listen. The first word out of his mouth is listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. And as he scattered across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant, so they produced no grain. But still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much had been planted. And then Jesus said, what? Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. That was the whole sermon. Y'all would love that. That was the whole sermon. And when it's over, people are left kind of scratching their heads. Most of the people are going, I, I, what? Did I miss something? What? 
what did that even mean? What was that about? Who is the farmer? What is the seed? What in the world has got to do with the thistles and the rocks? And all of a sudden they're asking, what does this mean? And, and do you not understand? That's exactly the question Jesus wants you to ask. He, he, he did it. You understand? To, to get your mind to think, to, to get you to, to begin to enter into this and, and engage your brain and open your ears that, that never seem to hear anything. If Jesus can get you to suddenly start asking, what does that mean? Who is the farmer? What is the seed? You understand? And that's exactly what would happen. Even with the disciples who were supposed to know something about something, but even the disciples were pretty slow so after, after the service is over and everybody else is in their cars and going home, the disciples would pull Jesus aside and say, Jesus, what, would you go over that again, but, but make it plain this time? What, what was that even about? The, the, the farmer, the seed? Jesus said, if you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand any of them. This, this is important, Jesus would say. And then understand, the, the, the parable itself is, is pretty simple. The same farmer scatters the same seed and has various results depending upon where it fell. That's basically the theme of the story. That, that's the parable of the story in a, in a nutshell. The same farmer scatters the same seed and has various results depending upon where the seed fell. Some of the seed fell upon shallow soil. Some of the seed fell upon thistles. Some of it fell upon the rocks, the path, understand. Depending upon where the seed falls, you get a various result, even though it's always the very same seed and it's the very same farmer. Now, that's the parable itself. But understand, the message of the parable, as Jesus describes it, is this. Not everyone responds the same way when God speaks to their hearts. Not everyone responds the same way when God speaks to their hearts. Jesus is talking about listening and hearing God's voice. That's why the first word out of his mouth is listen. And the last thing he says after the parable is if anybody has ears to hear, they should listen and understand. This is a parable about listening and understanding. This is a parable about what happens when God speaks to your heart. Your heart. Now here's the thing. I'm one preacher preaching one passage, and I'm saying the very same words. You're all hearing the same words, but there will be various results even from this sermon today, and I am, uh, I am a lame, pathetic preacher, of, of course, compared to everybody else, especially Jesus. But the point still remains that, that the same word is, is being preached. You're all hearing it. But it will have different results, and you can understand those results if you sort of pay attention to the story that, that Jesus teaches. First, he says, he scattered it across the field, and some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Tell me about the soil that would be on the path. How would you describe it? Yeah, the path is where people walk, and so the soil is very compacted, it's hard, it's hard soil, and the seed has no place to settle in. The seed just lays right there on top because the soil is so hard, it's not receptive. And so the seed lays there on top, and the scripture says the birds would come and snatch it away. Okay, so remember, we're not just talking about seeds and farmers, we're talking about hearts. This is a story about you, you're in this thing now. And honestly, that part right there applies to a good number of us. Your heart is hard. Your heart is very hard. And, and there's almost no way that a word, even a word from God, can penetrate your heart. You're hardened. I don't know what has hardened you. I don't know what it is that makes you keep your shield up. But for whatever reason, you are not listening to God. 
You do not want to hear. This is probably willful on your part. You just don't want to listen. Probably because you don't want to hear what God would say because once you hear what God has to say to you, then you're responsible to do it. And you would rather live your own life. I don't know. But the fact remains, many, many people are hardened. And the seed, therefore, just never penetrates. It just lays there on top. And understand, the birds come and snatch it away. The, the, the birds come. Now, when Jesus later interprets this parable for the disciples, who represents the birds? The birds come. But when Jesus describes it down in verse 15, who is the bird? The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan. Yeah, absolutely. So understand, Satan tries to snatch away the word of God from your heart so that you will not hear and believe. Satan does that. The minute the word is preached, the minute you hear it, Satan is there to try to snatch it away. It's happening right now with some of you. It's happening right now. Now, the moment the words enter into your brain, the devil is there to try to snatch that away because he is your enemy. He does not want you to hear what God is saying to you because if you hear it, you will eventually hear and believe. You'll be saved. You'll grow. You will know what God has for you. The devil knows if he can cut this nerve of your Christian life, if he can keep you from hearing, then therefore he, he has victory in your life. So the devil is there, and it is the devil who tries to snatch away the word of God. He's doing it now, and for some of you, he's done it your whole life. Some of the seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it, snatched it away. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun since it didn't have deep roots and died. Verse 16, the, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Okay, so there's rocky soil, the, the, the seed that falls on the rocky soil. My yard is rocky soil. I, I, I literally live on what used to be an old rock quarry. And so I have about a quarter of an inch of soil in my yard. And below that is just rock. Now in the springtime, I will have the most beautiful green grass you have ever seen. It is like the Garden of Eden out there behind my house. It is just absolutely beautiful. The, the, the spring grass grows and it just sprouts up in my yard. It's beautiful. But the first time we have a dry spell, every blade of grass in my whole yard dies. Why? Because there's no root. My, my grass is, it looks really pretty on top, but there's nothing underneath. There's no depth there. And so since there's no depth, there's nothing to sustain it through hard times, and it dies. And this is what Jesus says here. Some of the seed falls among in, in rocky soil. And so even though it sprouts up kind of quickly, it sprouts up quickly, and it seems to flourish, the moment the dry spell hits, it's going to wilt and die. Very simple principle here. Trouble will always reveal depth. Trouble reveals depth. This explains some of your experience as a Christian because you're, I guess, what we would call technically a, a used-to-be Christian. You used to really, you used to do amazing things for God. You used to teach. You used to sing. You used to go out and tell other people. You used to serve. You used to help the homeless. You used to do amazing things, but not anymore. 
For whatever reason, you have retired, you have abandoned the faith, you have no longer continued to bear the fruit of the gospel. And this is what Jesus is talking about. This is not the ordinary Christian life. It's not supposed to be a flash in the pan. It's not supposed to be something that springs up quickly with a lot of enthusiasm and then fizzles as soon as life gets hard. Some of you fizzled as soon as life got hard. As soon as it became something you had to keep doing more than just a week or two, you just fizzled. And and this is not the ordinary Christian life, although it explains a whole lot of the people that you and I know. Trouble reveals depth. The fact that some of you are so easily discouraged from anything that has to do with growing in Christ or hearing God's voice or serving the Lord, I mean, it just doesn't take anything for you. I mean, I understand that some of you stayed home last week because the weather was so bad, but some of you stay home, you know, if the weather's bad in Oklahoma. I mean, some of you just, you know, I know that sometimes we don't do things because we're sick, but some of you, y'all been sick for like years, I mean, sooner or later, you're going to grow, aren't you? Sooner or later, that the seed will, will, will establish some sort of root in your life so that you will begin to sustain growth. But it never happens for a lot of people. It's, it's shallow. You've heard me say at Woodburn Baptist Church, my, my nightmare is that our church would grow, that we would just sprout up, that we would become something really amazing and dramatic overnight, and then we'd fizzle. Why would we fizzle? Because we would be... A mile wide, but a quarter of an inch deep. I would much rather have a deep church than a big church. You understand? Depth is what is important in the spiritual life, and lots of people never have any depth. Other seed fell among thorns, verse 7, that grew up and choked out the tender plant so that they produced no grain. Jesus says the seed that fell among the thorns in verse 18 represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. When I read that, the the thing is, it's the thorns. Represents people who believe God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. Well, let's be honest. I mean, this life is full of worries. It, It just is. There's so many things that, that can occupy your mind and so many things that can go wrong and so many things that have gone wrong. And some of you right now in the sound of my voice in this house today, your life is hard and you're carrying very, very difficult burdens. And so of course there are worries of life and the lure of wealth. We don't want to be drawn toward wealth, but in our culture, I think it's just almost inevitable. It's very difficult to swim up the stream of a culture that continues to move toward materialism and possessions. It's hard. And, and beside the point, isn't all of the things that we're talking about, aren't these just good things? Is there anything necessarily wrong about getting a new iPhone 6 Plus, except that it's the size of a Pop-Tart. I mean, it's a, it's a giant phone, but, but is there anything wrong with wanting one or even getting one? I mean, the Apple Watch is coming out in April. I got my eye on one of those. I, I mean, is it wrong to want one? Is it wrong to get one? No. No. I mean, worries of this life, the, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things. Other things aren't necessarily bad things. People, do you understand this? Jesus at this point isn't necessarily saying that these are all bad things. The thorns aren't necessarily bad things. The the, the point is they're good things that will keep you from the only ultimate thing. They choke. 
the only good thing, and that is the seed of the word of God in your heart. It's not so much that any one of us is chasing after evil things or bad things. It's just you're chasing so many things that that one thing, that one thing that God is trying to grow in your life, it can't grow. It's choked out. It's choked out by all your other priorities. It's choked out by all of your other desires. They're not necessarily bad. They may even be good things, but they're not the best thing, and they will destroy and choke out what God is trying to do in your life. Other seed, Jesus said, fell in a good place. The seed sunk down deep and put down roots started bearing fruit like a hundred times. A hundred times what the farmer originally planted. Understand, the idea is that the seed, it, it is received, it, it, is, it is retained, and then it is productive. It bears fruit. The Christian life begins with hearing God's word. You have to hear it. You have to receive it. You have to believe it. You have to hold on to it long enough so that the devil doesn't snatch it away. And you have to value it so that it is not choked out by all the other things in your life. And if that happens, it puts down deep roots. It always does. And it grows and it always bears fruit, Jesus says. It bears fruit if you let it. So it was a story about a farmer. The very first story Jesus tells is about a farmer who scatters seed, just ever, just scatters seed. Same farmer scatters the same seed, but all kinds of different things happen because it turns out it all has to do with where the seed lands. I don't know if you realize it while it was happening, but there was seed scattered in this place today. There was seed scattered with my voice and Probably lots of different things will happen from that. It depends on where the seed landed. And if you have ears to hear, quickly you begin to realize that uh, this is a story about you. You are hearing God's word. And what happens next has everything to do with the kind of heart you have. Let anyone who has ears listen. Pray with me. God, we confess that it is hard to hear your word. It is hard, Lord, because some of us, our hearts are hard. Our hearts are hardened by the sin and the choices we have made. Our hearts are hardened by experience, by bitterness, by anger. Our our hearts are numbed by pain and suffering, Lord. Some of us, our hearts just don't even receive it. Or others of us, we we receive it, we, we get excited, but by the time we walk to our car, our faith is fizzled. It seems, Lord, that we just simply cannot maintain the enthusiasm for what you say. We inevitably, Lord eventually wilt and die. God, others of us, we, we truly want to believe, but, but we have lives that are just so busy and so full, and we have so many priorities that somehow, Lord, nurturing the seed of the gospel in our heart just gets choked out. 
We have lots and lots of excuses and lots and lots of explanation, Lord, but you're not looking for excuses from our lives. You're looking for fruit. You're looking for hearts that will receive your word, hearts that will listen and understand and then obey. God, we have ears, but we don't always hear. We have eyes, but we don't always see, Lord. We have hearts, but we don't always feel. God, we desperately need to have our hearts plowed over by the grace of your Spirit. God, if it all depends on the kind of heart that we have, Lord, you know we can't change our own hearts. This is something only you can do. So God, today, help us to hear your word and bring our hearts to you, Lord, that you yourself might plant that word deep in our heart. Lord, I pray that you will bind the evil one, that he not snatch it away before it has a chance to take root. I pray, Lord, that you would give us grace and wisdom to realign our priorities, Lord, so that somehow growing in our faith becomes the ultimate thing for us, the ultimate priority. Lord, you have slipped into this service, and even as my mouth was moving, Lord, you have scattered the seed in our heart. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will listen and respond for Jesus' sake. Amen.